Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 435. So to not control who they are as an individual, still let them flourish who they are as an individual, let their personality come through, I think was one of the biggest things where, you know, you go into larger, you know, corporate places and it's, you know, it's like people are in their uniform and, you know, they work for that company. No, I mean, for us, it's, you know, we want people to be individuals. We want everybody within our organization to have a voice. Um, we want everybody in our organization to understand how we make money, how we function. But, you know, we want to be realistic with who they are, you know, their individual personality, what their personal brand means as opposed to our brand as, a, as an organization. All that stuff is stuff that's really important to us and we've always kept it before. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable 89 percent of guests research a restaurant online before dining out your website is your first impression so answer me this question honestly what does your website say about your restaurant also websites are no longer static brochures they're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Troy Allen. Troy, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Uh, I mean... Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> the, I feel unstoppable most days. Yes. Uh, so, uh, so right. yes, I'm, I'm feeling good today. <laughs> Sounds good. After leaving Kent State, Troy Allen started his career in marketing, specifically with design and branding. In 2013, Troy, uh, Tro- Troy, Troy decided it was time to apply what he learned to a few of his own assets, and Rise Brands were formed. Today, Rise Brands currently has three concepts in the market, consisting of six locations. And obviously, we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive deeper into your story, Troy, and what makes you you. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? A success quote or mantra? Yeah. Uh, you know, last year for us uh, as a company, it was uh, we're going to kick 2017's dick in. <laughs> <laughs> this year uh, as a company, it's... I just uh, cringed a little. <laughs> Let yeah. me let me recover from okay. Keep so, going. so so yeah, that's the other thing is I cuss a lot. Is that okay? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> okay, I want the real Troy right. to come uh, out. <laughs> the, this year it's uh, it's actually you know very inappropriate as well. It's uh, it's we're gonna make 2018 our bitch. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you know I, I I I've I always 
I always take chances. I like to make myself uncomfortable to okay. a point that, you know, every point in my career, it's almost like I put myself in a place where I backed myself against a wall yeah. where you have to fight yourself, fight your way out yeah. and kind of get to that next level. So, uh, I'm, I like to make myself uncomfortable. I like to make people around me uncomfortable. Yes. So. I love it. And that, re- that reminds me so much of Mario Andretti's uh, quote. And I probably, everybody, anyone who listens to this knows what I'm about to say because I, I use it too often. And that's, uh, if you have control, you're not going fast enough. Right. And that, that's that area of like discomfort and like where you barely can hold on is where growth happens and where you, you push yourself the envelope. Yep. Awesome. Great way to get this thing started, man. So uh, typically what I do is I ask, uh, where did it all start for you? Like, when did you know that this was going to be your career or the hospitality industry? But I feel like you have uh, – I don't want to start in the year 2012 to the year 2013 because I feel like what you your, – your marketing and your branding experience that, that come up going through that, there's so much information. There's so many lessons we can probably pull from your, your developing yourself as a, a marketer and a, and a, a brander. Uh, so let's start there. Like you, you graduate 2005 – or sorry, 95, right? And then you spend a couple of years uh, between graduation. I think I have – it wasn't until – 2000 that you get hooked, picked up with LPK. So what was going on in those early years, those five years? I was just a jag off. <laughs> now, uh, the I mean, interesting thing is uh, I, I've i worked in advertising and brand strategy uh, ever since I was essentially a sophomore in high school. Okay. So I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was, I was that kid who was a really good athlete, but also you know, could draw and was okay. an artist, yep. uh, which was a really weird cross section. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I was working for an agency at the time, which was the third largest agency in Ohio called Hesselbar and Mitten. Okay. And, uh, worked worked there through high school, literally back then cutting key lines. It was before computers okay. and, uh, running mail, okay. uh, doing stuff for Goodyear and Firestone accounts, uh, went off to school at CCAD down here in Columbus, Columbus College of Art and Design. Got it. And literally uh, discovered alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, your grade point goes from like 3.6 to a 2.8 to like a 1.8. And then like your scholarships put on probation. My first year semester when I was in college was a 1.18. <laughs> yeah, nice. And I graduated with a 3 point, uh, like 2 something. So you can turn it around. Yeah, uh, but funny. <laughs> I totally know what you're saying. Uh, but, but that was actually, a, it was a good thing for me because uh, I did, I transferred back. Uh, I went to Kent State, um, which was, uh, you know, Northeastern Ohio, a little closer to home. Um, and... The great thing about that was Hesselbart and Mitten at the time kind of broke apart. So out of this large agency became, you know, probably four or five really medium-sized great agencies. Okay. So it, it gave me these connections all over Northeastern Ohio. So I worked for an agency all through college. Um, I paid for my own school. I've always, you know, hustled. I've always fought. Um, and... I was fortunate enough that, you know, my professors at the time, they knew I was working for an agency. They knew I was doing real work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have to go to class that much. I would just turn in projects that were real world projects. Uh, you said in, you know, 20 or no, 95, 95, 96, I graduated. Oh, that's right. I never graduated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my senior year, you have to enroll to do a senior project and, you know, at the time, you know, $4,000 a semester way back mm-hmm. then was a lot of money. Yeah. And I didn't understand the point of doing that to turn in something that I do and get paid for for a living. So 
I walked and I never completed my last semester. And so to this day, I still don't have a degree. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, from there though, uh, to get into the brand strategy stuff, I, uh, after, after school, I've, I've worked for uh, numerous agencies. I spent time in Chicago. I was there a few years, uh, working for an agency. Um, I was, uh, in Cleveland and, I have just a diverse background when it comes to design. So mm -hmm. this is what's going to be really weird for you is I still don't consider myself hospitality industry. Okay. I'm, I'm still brand development. No, and that's really cool though, because I feel like this industry, the hospitality industry, the restaurant tour needs to wear so many hats right. and it's not just be that you, there's so many points of entry. You can come through with branding or design or the front of house hospitality or the back of house. Like there's so many ways to enter this industry. And that's why I feel like the, the backstory that you have is still really interesting because you developed a lot of assets, uh, skills that are, can really be leveraged in this industry. Right. Uh, so um, let's kind of, I guess, fast forward because I want to leave time into how you scaled your, your brand or your brands, your, your business, Rise Brands. Uh, but 2000, sounds like 2000 is where you started like getting more focused on your career and marketing and design, kind of maybe leaned away from the good times. I don't know. Yeah, I'm making you know, assumptions. So the, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll time warp 10 years here for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Different agencies, different cities, yeah. uh, you know, uh, product development, uh, brand strategy, uh, traditional advertising, um, landed in Columbus, uh, which would have been, I think, 98. Okay. And, uh, you know, started working for, you know, a couple agencies here in Columbus. Okay. Uh, did spend time at LPK down in Cincinnati, which right. for me was, I mean, it's one of the best brand strategy firms that are out there. I mean, the opportunity to work on, you know, Pringles, Oil Valet. The only guy on Team Tampax at the time, uh, the the Pearl Man, we launched that. Um, the it was a great agency, but for me, I didn't want to be in Cincinnati, okay. so I came back to Columbus um, and uh, started working for a larger agency here in town. Was creative director there uh, for about uh, six years. Okay. And you is know, that Falgren? It was Falgren. Okay, yeah. And uh, at the time, you know, like a lot of the big agencies that kind of were bundled and did everything for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, the times were changing, the market was changing and the bigger agencies kind of started to, to collapse a little bit. Okay. Out of that, I formed an agency called Elevate Thinking okay. where strictly all we did was brand strategy. Okay. We didn't want to buy your media. We didn't want to do your digital. We wanted to, you know, determine who your target audience was, what message is going to resonate with them. How do you deliver content to them that they're already digesting in their day-to-day -day activity? Um, so that's what we did. Okay. So let's slam on the brakes here because I feel like there's a – I want to pull some nuggets, some some knowledge bombs as I like to call them okay. from you. Uh, 2004, 2009, you're with uh, Falgren. Falgren. Uh, what, what, give me some lessons as you were evolving as a – or evolving your career in marketing. What were some of the things that you were figuring out along the way, uh, some advice on marketing that you learned uh, that you can share with us? You know, I, I would say at, at that time – a lot of any nuggets I'm going to have for you was probably after I started my own agency. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing, you know, when it came to, to marketing or advertising or brand yeah. is, is fully understanding your audience. Okay. Um, so, and, and really dissecting it. Mm. So, you know, taking it to hospitality, that person who's going to come in for happy hours, completely that different person that's going to come in for a nine o'clock meal. So, you know, what you're delivering to them, what you're trying to get to resonate with them is completely different. So for us, you know, I used to dive deep into who we're communicating to. What does their day look like? What are they doing in the morning? What are they doing at lunch? You know, what does their work day look like? 
what mediums are they digesting? Is it ESPN online? Is it USA Today? Um, what are their habits after work? What's the type of place they would go have a drink? You know, how much can you understand about the individual that then you can start to create messaging that's going to resonate with them, mm. no matter what brand you're communicating? But then the most important thing is, is how can you insert it into their day where it's easy for them to digest? You don't want it to be obtrusive. You don't want it to be a billboard they happen to be seeing driving down the highway. You want it to be, okay, yeah, they're, they're you know, on ESPN or they listen to podcasts or this. How can we insert content where they're already there and they're already at? Okay. So for us, it's really understanding, you know, your audience and, and the, you know, the target audience you're trying to communicate with. So it's on like, any brand. Yeah, just starting with the end in mind, right? Like this is where we – this is who we want to appeal to. Like that's our, our target market. Like what do we do starting there working backwards to appeal to that person? I think that's saying it perfectly. I mean for – to a lot of people don't flip it. A lot of people, if they're developing a brand, a restaurant, a bar, whatever it is, it's this is who we want to be. Okay. This is who we are. That's great. But unless you can figure out what the people coming there want, you know, what, what it, it means to them, it's never going to resonate. What do you mean and, what it means to them? So, you know, I, I can sit here and say, you know, with a couple of our brands, pins and 16-bit, you know, it's okay. Here's who we want to be. This is our voice. Here's who we are in the market. Okay. And my opinion is one opinion. But when you start looking at, you know, a wide demographic of who you're trying to talk to, it's, it's what what do they want to hear? What do they want to see? What is going to make, you know, a brand resonate with them where they feel comfortable, where so, it takes them back to like a childhood memory? Yeah. So you're talking um, like psychographics right yeah, now, like yeah. basically like the, the emotional part, like how, what does being at my brand say about that person? And how does that make them feel in the eye of society? Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the, the biggest thing is, you know, is you can sit here all day and say, you know, you're this type of person. Okay. Or, you know, you're going to communicate a brand in this certain way, but unless you can figure out what people really want to hear, Mm. um, it's just kind of pointless. So how did you figure that out? Like, where do you start with trying to figure that out? Uh, you know, again, I think it's, it's, it was a lot of just experience, Mm -hmm. uh, through, you know, uh, you know, me going through my career and just kind of looking at things a different way. Um, and I think that's, you know, that nugget for me is what we found at elevate on, uh, where, you know, a lot of the other agencies and big agencies are, it's it's that we can do everything for you. We can be the end all be all. And for us, it's we didn't care about that. Mm. And, you know, we care more about your consumer and what they want to hear and and what you want your brand to say to them mm-hmm. more than everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that being said, never want to be an agency when we did Elevate. Yeah. And people that know me know this story pretty well. Uh, but as we grew, you know three years, uh, we were probably about 25 people, mm-hmm. um, had some nice size clients, uh, had a lot of partner agencies that at the time were really great at what they did. We did brand strategy and development. Okay. We had a digital partner that literally was phenomenal at the time. They were four people. We were four people. Now they're like 86 wow. and that's dynamic. Um, the, so it allowed us to say, look, we're going to concentrate on your brand strategy. We're going to surround you with these other experts that are just masters at, at, at their vertical. You can work that through us or you can work directly with them. We don't care. It's our job for us all to stay on the same page. But that being said, after about three years, kind of had a no shit moment where, you know, going to work and you kind of look around and it's like, oh shit, we're an agency. <laughs> we just, it got, it started to grow. It got big. What was it about agencies that you didn't like? I just, I don't like the layers upon layers upon layers. Um, I don't like, you can't truly be an expert at everything. You can't yeah. be an expert at digital, at buying media, 
at messaging, at design, yeah, um, you know, at production. It's like that that e myth mentality, like the entrepreneurial myth. Like you're the the pie maker, and you want to make pies, and you hate your boss. You say, "Screw it, I'm gonna go make my own pies, my own pies on my own." Uh, location, and then you open your own location, and you realize, oh shit! Like I can't make pies anymore because I'm too busy doing all this other stuff. Right. So, like you, you, when you when you're that that agency, like you got to do everything. You have to be everything to everyone. Where you just wanted to do what you love, which was the branding and like the yeah, just yeah. brand strategy, brand development. Okay, and, that makes and, sense. And literally, the I think the the biggest thing, which which was what made us evolve our business, is I got sick of clients. <laughs> <laughs> I literally. You know, and, you know, and any past clients, I loved you. Um, but, you know, we'd spend all this time uh, developing, you know, a brand and how to go to market and, you know, the plan behind it. And then, you know, you'd either you'd hand that baby off, you know, and or you would, you know, and then you would see them not execute properly mm. or clients demand so much that you get to a point where it's like, wait a second, this is your business and we're running it for you. Yeah. Um, so it just, it wasn't exciting anymore, okay. you know, and as, as a business owner, you know, from the outside, successful brand strategy firm, you know, 25 people at the time we were growing ridiculously and I hate it going to work every day. Oh, that's not a good spot right there. You I could something with that. So I, I, before we get it to, uh, 2013 where the rise brands start to emerge, uh, you are quoted as saying, um, that you developed, uh, or well, let me read this real quick. So here's what we're trying to accomplish and here's what, what you should do. What, what should be doing? Maybe I butchered this when I heard it. I listened to it uh, and I typed it out. But anyway, you said something about uh, creating a process uh, for bringing a, a, a brand to the market. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things with uh, we did with Elevate is we had a very documented brand process. Okay. Um, so, you know, what are your brand attributes? Uh, you know, what is your brand voice? Uh, what does it visually look like? Um, taking a look at that audience that you're communicating uh, uh, to. By the time you got through our process, and again, it was a very, at the time, it was, you'd have a deck that'd be, you know, 60 to 100 pages of brand strategy, of look and feel, of voice. By the time you got to the end of it, there was no surprises for the client. Mm -hmm. It was, oh yeah, this all makes sense. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling the story of how a brand should communicate, what it means to that end user, how they're going to, you know, uh, you know we're going to deliver to them during the day. It became a very documented wall process that by the time you got to the end, there was no missing. So like you basically wrote like a recipe to like get to that point to communicate whatever your brand is, your essence is. Uh, yeah. And you know, in, 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 in brand strategy and in agencies, everybody has a process. It's mm -hmm. a documented process. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for us, it just became a, a very visual thing and, and allowed people to fully understand throughout the process where they were, mm -hmm. you know, and. And, you know, showing them different ways to go to market from a voice standpoint, from a visual standpoint, and, you know, putting the stuff in there that they wanted to see, mm -hmm. but you can show them why it wasn't going to work to get them to where they needed to go. So the process had these peaks and valleys that by the end of it, they so bought in to what it is we were trying to communicate, what it is we were trying to do for them. Mm -hmm. So it, it just, you know, it, it, it was a process that then allowed us to take it to our own brands. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'm tempted to go deeper here. Um, I think I'm going to. So you said you start with uh, finding the attributes 
Uh, so what, what are some attributes you were looking for? The strengths, I'm assuming. What, what is it about your brand that's unique, unique selling propositions, right? So or I, I don't want to assume too for much. For any brand or for one of our brands? So if you, if, you, if you had a brand come to you that was looking for help doing what you do with brand strategy, uh, the first thing you said you do in that, that, uh, that series of events is you, you look for the, the attributes, the brand attributes. Right. So what did you mean by that? So, I mean, so at, at the core – you know, it's okay. What is the brand trying to do? So, you know, let's say, uh, if it's a service base, okay. okay yeah. We want to provide the best X service within this market. All mm-hmm. right. And so that becomes your brand position. It's how you go to market. It's what you're trying to be, mm-hmm. but then you have to surrap that with the brand attributes, which is what gives it personality, what brings it to life. Okay. So you can say, you know, all right, I'm going to be, uh, so we want to be, the industry leading HVAC company that is customer focused. That is our brand mission. Well, great. How do you take that to market? Mm-hmm. So you can go to market being very deliberate and focused, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, intellectual, intellectual and knowledgeable. You can go to market being, you know, vibrant and fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there's different ways to wrap a personality mm-hmm. around the brand. So we would show essentially three different buckets Mm -hmm. where we would pair up, okay, your voice is going to be fun and educational Mm -hmm. and your look is going to be deliberate and focused. Well, here's what that sounds like. Here's what that looks like. But then you can go to market saying, you know, our voice is going to be industry leading and innovative and the look is going to be, uh, you know, creative and unexpected. Okay, okay. Well, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Okay. So we create these buckets that would then allow us surrounding the brand attributes around the brand. What does the brand become? There's just several different ways to go to market okay. and allowed us to test that. And in the end, we'd always steer where we wanted someone to go. Okay. Um, but that's brand attributes. Okay. It's what do you want the brand to resonate to the end audience? Okay. Interesting. Cool. Uh, thanks for diving deeper into some of these questions. I, I, I knew that you were going to have some great nuggets. And I this, haven't this. talked about that type of stuff in years. <laughs> well, it's important stuff and it's, it's, they're all things we need to be thinking about when we're trying to develop our own restaurant brand. So I think it will be helpful. Uh, so let's go back to the point where uh, you're working uh, with the elevate thinking and it kind of, you, you become an agency. It's no longer what you want to be doing. You kind of sounds like you're, you're getting sick of it. Uh, is this around the time the, the vision for rise brands comes into play? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So at the time, you know, I just, I probably, I wasn't the most enjoyable person to be around. I definitely can say that, you know, people who worked for me and worked with me, um, they probably weren't their happiest they've ever been in life as well. Mm-hmm. Just cause I, I wasn't enjoying myself. And, you know, it, it, I think that, that kind of, you know, came across in the company. So for me, it was, my life's been a series of distractions. Okay. Wasn't enjoying Elevate and what we were doing there that much anymore. So 16 bit, uh, 16 bit bar and arcade, um, was our first concept that we did. It was a distraction. I mean, it was every guy in college thought about the idea. (laughs) I mean, video games and beer. I mean, come on. Uh, so the, you know, for me, it was like from a design perspective, from a brand perspective, I just wanted to play with it. Okay. And, and so, you know, started to play with it, kind of took it through our process. I kept it close to my chest and then we brought other team members into it. Um, and, uh, 
and then just really started to look at it. I went back to Chicago and visited a location that opened up there called Headquarters. Yeah, which I've is still been there. One of my favorite it's places. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that was a that was another. I, I call them oh fuck moments, where or oh shit moments. We'll say oh shit moments, where I'm standing in there and I'm like, oh shit, someone did this, <laughs> and uh, and so started to look at it um, strictly from a brand and business standpoint. I never want to be a bar owner. I never want to be a restaurant owner. I never want to be in hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, so start to look at it and, you know, well, yeah, from a brand standpoint, you know, we can, we can really tap in here and get people to go back to those moments mm. in their childhood that mm-hmm. they loved. But then from a business standpoint, you know, there's a hole in the market here in Ohio, um, you know, business looking at the margins when it comes to beer and alcohol and, you know, the, the math behind that. And it's like, well, shit, this is a viable business. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, frankly, I think for us, you know, and, and I'll, I'll get into the whole science of why we did what we did, yeah. but 16-bit was a distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, once I realized that, hey, you know what, uh, I think this is something that we can do um, yeah, from a business standpoint, that's when we, I kind of, we had the conversation of, you know, we build these brands for other people day in and day out, whether it's in industry, whether it's product. Um, you know, we had a really talented creative team and we all had great ideas. So why not build brands for ourselves? Mm. You know, and and so it was it was a test. I mean, we we scaled back. I mean, we in the end, you know, we're down to three people and kind of started over. And so you know, took sixteen bit through the brand process, um, did the business plan on it. Uh, our goal from the get go was okay. We're going to do five markets in four years. Okay, um, and, and we knew we knew we had something, and no matter what, that's what we were going to do. Okay. Um, figuring out, you know, the industry, uh, the, and again, I'll get into that here in a second. The, so 16 bit, we decided, Hey, we're going to do this. Um, so, you know, we kind of shut the doors with elevate and we evolved into rise. Okay. So rise brands, um, is simply a brand development firm still. Okay. Except we are our own clients. So we don't take outside work on anymore. We develop our own brands. Um, all the brands live underneath Rise Brands as their own entities, as holding companies. Each individual location is its own company that's owned by the holding company. Okay. Okay. I think this is a good point to, to tap the brakes and kind of uh, reflect on what you've shared with us just now. Some some nuggets I drew from your story. Uh, you don't – like the greatest artists in the world steal, right? Uh, so you can start with something that's already been done. And if you love it, take that idea, take that concept – and apply it to where it's not being done. Find markets where you can be that niche, where you can take that idea and you can apply it to other markets. And it sounds like that's kind of the angle you took, but you also wanted to put your own twist on it, right? Yeah. Um, so you, you you steal, but you you make it better. You, you build off of what somebody else has created. Yeah, uh, I, I I think I think that's a, a great way to say it. Um, I you know the sixteen bit obviously was not the first barcade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Damn, Barcade in New York trademark the name goes after everybody. Uh, the and they weren't the first either. Um, the, so 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 yeah. I mean, it, it was. I just knew from a brand perspective, from an experience perspective, we can do it better. Um, you know, and I think that's one of the things that as we as we developed it, um, it was funny for me. I mean, yeah, I used to bartend. I was a bar back. I bust tables mm-hmm. I mean, I, we, we've all had those jobs. Um, but looking at this strictly from a brand standpoint and the experience mm-hmm. of, okay, someone's stepping in there. 
you know, from the sounds, uh, from the smells to the, the look and feel of, of the cocktails. Um, it's, it, you're tapping into all these things that take people back to that, that their childhood, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, what was that moment that they just totally enjoyed? Yeah, it's all and, sentimental. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all these triggers. Um, we heard early on, uh, you know, I used to, uh, I'm going to cuss again. Um, <laughs> people used to say early on to me, well, that's just not the way it is in this industry. Okay. That's just not the way it is in this industry. And my response was, I don't give a fuck. Okay. I'm building a brand. I'm running a business. I am not opening a bar and running a bar. That's just not the way we looked at Wait, it. Go back to Satan. I was waiting for the, the cuss that I wasn't paying attention to what you're actually saying. I'm not going to lie. So what were people saying to you that made you say you don't give a fuck? Well, they would just say like whether it's – it would always be, well, that's just not the way it is in this industry. That's bullshit. Right. And so I, I got so – like that became fuel for us yeah. where – Oh, you know what? And I think, you know, to this day, that's why we're successful is, you know, we don't do things the way other people do it. Yeah. Uh, so I had Nick Akonis on the show, the guy in, you know, Nick Akonis uh, behind yep. a linear restaurant group. Yep. Uh, and he's a perfect example of what you're talking about. He had a, a degree or a background in uh, dividends brokerage. And he came into the industry and had a whole different way of looking at it. But because of that, like he turned it upside down right. and, and totally challenged what the reality of the industry is and, and just found efficiencies and ways to be unique and interesting. Right. And to bring it back to how we started this conversation with uh, there's so many things you need to be good at in hospitality that you can there, – the, the, there's so many points of entry, whether that be as a chef, as a GM, as a house person or as a brand expert – uh, like you, you can do something with that and you're creating experiences at the end of the day. Sorry, right. I'm going too long now. This is your time to shine, no, you're fine. but you, you, that's how you got into it. And, um, okay, take it from there. So, uh, what was that like being somebody that is taking a whole new approach to like get started in, th- in this industry? Yeah. I mean, again, I, th- I think that that motivated me and us more than anything. Um, you know, to the point of, you know, Early on, it was like the littlest things. I used to love reach, reading stuff online. Uh, you know, people just had no clue. Um, you know, 16-bit, all the games are free, all right? You know, and just have the people be like, they're not going to charge anything for the games. <laughs> They'll be out of business in two months. Like, shit, what are you? Are you the margins are in the alcohol yeah. and the booze. The game's the hook. That's <laughs> you know? how you, I mean, you get people like, in. I mean, the first thing to go in these games, I mean, they're all 30, 40 years old, yeah. is the coin mech. Mm-hmm. If you take that out of the equation, you know, it's not, oh, it took my quarter. Oh, well, the, the, the it's jam. Now the mm-hmm. game's not, not working. Take it out of the equation. Yeah. I mean, for us, everybody was like, oh, you guys, you don't have food. You're, you're, no, it, you're going to fail. You don't have food. Bullshit. <laughs> I mean, so here's the simple thing. Though, and this is the way I always looked at it. Bars have food, so you stay there longer, so you drink more. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Look at the margins in alcohol and beer compared to food. Yeah. Look at the expense of the setup, everything else. We came up with a formula that then we've taken from 16-bit, we've taken to pins and, and other stuff that we're doing, that our average guest stays two to three hours. We don't have food. Two to three. So did you know that? Like that, that, that would be the average. Did you get this data from someplace going into it, knowing it would work? Or so we looked at, we looked at, okay, what, what is an average ticket? You know, it was going to be, um, how much do people typically stay in a space? Um, you know, what keeps them there, whether it's a sporting event, mm-hmm. whether it's because they're, they're having lunch, they're having dinner. Um, you know, we looked at all that and for us, we looked at it a, a completely different way of, all right, we want to entertain these people. We want to create an experience where they come in and they get lost. 
I mean, it's, it's like going to a casino. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't realize they stay as long as they do. You know, they'll come in and it'll be two hours later and it'll be like, oh shit, I had no idea. <laughs> um, if they can get lost in the experience and they can be enjoying themselves and they can be engaging in a different way where it's not just staring at a sporting event, um, it, 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 it works better with groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, people that discover it want to share it with uh, those who haven't, haven't seen it. Um, length of stay for us became part of our business model and our math. Um, if we can get someone to stay two to three hours, we know what their ticket is going to be. We know what that revenue does for us. We know what the margins are on it. Mm-hmm. So everything we were doing was about experience, extending the length of stay and keeping all the costs down. I mean, look at our locations. We don't have the expense of a kitchen. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of the expense of food prep or that staff. We have entertainment there that keep people there longer that drink beer and cocktails. Do you mind me asking like what your, your margins are? Why, why would I tell you that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Like, uh, I, I want to like ballpark, like 25% or, or yeah, we, so, you know, we run, we run high for, for the industry. I mean, obviously, okay. you know, I mean, 20, if, you, if you're doing 10%, you're doing all, all right. Oh, that it, sucks. I suppose, <laughs> but I'm just like, no. So for us, uh, our, our model was always at 20%. Okay. So we always wanted, uh, and that's, that's everything. What's your biggest expense? Uh, I mean, our biggest expense is, is product. Okay. Um, we're getting to a point now where it's our staff, uh, okay. just because I was going to um, assume it was staff, but I was wrong. Yeah. No, I mean the, I mean, we've built our collection of pinball machines, arcade games and stuff that we do. Uh, we also invest back in, into our staff. I will say that, you know, all of our staff, uh, it's top of the industry when it comes to, to pay and in, and tip outs, uh, just okay. because of the revenue that we can do. Okay. Um, but we build it as 20% bottom line. Wow. That's what we wanted everything to be. Uh, we run anywhere from, I'd say 23 to 25%. And that's, that's bottom line number. Wow. Um, the other thing that we did that was, you know, different that we heard in the industry was I want from our barbacks to our GMs to understand how we make money. I want them to understand how we make money so they understand how they make money. Okay. So we report all of our sales daily. Okay. We, from going into it, here's the goal for the day. Here's how we're going to get there. Sharing all those numbers the following day. Here's what the goal was. Here's where we ended up. Here's what it meant to our barbacks. Here's what it meant to our, our bartenders. Here's what it meant to management. Mm-hmm. If I can educate them on business and how we make money as an organization and a company, it directly mm. reflects the money that they're taking home. Yeah, and everybody starts pulling the same direction because you're not just telling them what to do, but they know why to, they know why they're doing it, and that in, in itself is so powerful. And people actually know why to do things a certain way. Yeah, I mean, we we over communicate, but I mean, we're 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 based out of a communications firm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we want people to fully understand that, uh, you know, based on the events we book, um, what that's going to mean to them. Uh, we look nightly at our reviews and we can, we can take that all the way back to the tip outs for the night. Um, the, one of the things that, you know, we've kind of, and this is where I'll kind of transition as we started getting to other brands is with 16 bit, you know, we learned the industry. Um, we figured out, you know, length of stay experience, um, way to, you know, keep our costs down, but maximize our, our, customer and our staffing their benefits okay you know how can they get more money out of out of what what it is we're doing as an organization our staff so one of the things we did not take into account and this was the the one 
flyer that was out there that we did not have in the business plan, but why we started onto our second brand was the corporate event side. Mm. So with 16-bit, um, never factored it in. I mean, we factored everything on the individual, individual length of stay, um, them bringing groups of friends, eight to 10 people, never looked at the event side of it. Uh, we were fortunate, you know, to be, you know, downtown Columbus, this new thing, this new experience, uh, you know, headquarters of nationwide insurance, Abercrombie and Fitch, mm -hmm. Victoria's Secrets, Huntington Bank. We started doing, you know, corporate events from, you know, 50 people to 250 people, um, either prior to opening or while we were opening. And the thing that was great about that is, is we knew going in when we did, I mean, I think now brand wide, we do, I want to say over 2000 events a year. Oh, wow. Um, every day has an event booked. Um, and, and our events are 20 people to 2000 people. I think it's great about that is it allows us to forecast. It allows us to plan out. But when we put out those communications of what's coming up, people want to work certain mm. days because of events. Mm -hmm. They know that X company is going to be in there. They're bringing 200 people. They know exactly what they're going to walk home. Yeah. With. So, so for us, you know, it was figuring out these little things with 16 bit that I say my, my life's a whole bunch of distractions. 16 bit got, you know, it got legs. Um, we opened up, uh, Columbus, uh, exactly one year later, we opened up Cleveland, uh, about eight months later, we opened up Cincinnati. Um, so we have, uh, currently we have three 16 bits in market. Um, we're currently under construction with a 16 bit in Nashville and we have a 16 bit opening up this year in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, you know, we learned a lot, it got rolling and, and so I need another distraction. Yeah. So, so I think ahead. let's, I want to reflect a little bit cause you shared a lot of good things and I kind of want to go deeper in some of these, these things you brought up. Uh, the first thing that I want to go deeper into is the idea of, uh, your percentages, you said your, your biggest expense was your, your product. Was that factoring in the machines or are you just talking about like the alcohol and the, you know, it, it was tough because we, I started when we started, when I started thinking about, you know, this, I started buying games. Um, and, and so, yeah, we know now going into a location, uh, how much we're going to have in, in actual games, whether it's 30, whether it's 40. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, we never take that into really the account of our day-to-day -day operations. So in the beginning it, it was, I mean, we were, we were, I was shocked at what we were spending on alcohol. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the margins, the return on that was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the, in the beginning, that was always the biggest number I looked at because that was a weekly number. Yeah. And you know, I mean, Columbus, you know, we're in a, our location in Columbus is 2,800 square feet and we're spending, you know, $12,000 a week <laughs> on product, <laughs> um, which is great. Yeah. Uh, that was always the big, a big number that we looked at. Okay. Um, you know, now as, as our locations get bigger, as our operations get bigger, uh, the bigger number of staff. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, like, what was the percentage of expense for, uh, for labor in the beginning? You know, it, it, to give you the exact percentage, I, I mean, I can do some quick math, but I mean, a 16 bit, that's that location. Yeah. I mean, it's really only about 25, 26 people. Yeah. Um, out of that, you know, all of our management is salary uh, based employees. Um, we, at, we, you know, offer full benefits to mm -hmm. all our employees, 401k, health insurance, everybody else is, is hourly and mm -hmm. tip out. So when you start looking at it that way, it's in the beginning, it wasn't that, that big of a number yeah. no, now, yeah. and, you know, with, with pins and our newest concepts, you know, I mean, we're hiring 130 people per location 
you know, uh, having probably eight of those people on, you know, salaried employees, um, that number keeps going up yeah. and up and up. Which but those, is a good are, th- those are the two biggest numbers for it's us. It's a good is, thing. Is, I mean, is, that- uh, expenses when it comes to, you know, uh, liquor and product and then staff. Well, I mean, it's not a good thing that, you're, that those expenses are growing, but it is good that you're, you're deliberately putting more, uh, more into your people. Cause at the end of the day, that's what's going to be defining. Yeah, you. And here's the thing is, you know, those, those are the two numbers that as those numbers go up, revenue goes up, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if, if we're spending more on products cause we're, we're selling it. Yeah. Um, truthfully, if, if we're spending money on our people, it's because they're great people. They, they've been with us a long time. They enjoy themselves and they're making great money. Okay. And if they're making great money, we're a successful business yep. because it's all correlated back to the sales. Okay, cool. Thank you for going deeper into that. Yeah, no so, uh, you, same thing starts happening with 16 bit. You start, you want to, you know, maybe you're getting bordered or you want to try something else or you want to keep yourself. I wasn't bored on this okay. one. It was more, more greed. Okay. It was, uh, you know, we learned a lot, um, from 16 bit and, you know, we opened up Cleveland and it was like, Oh, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know, cause we, you know, we learned space and flow. And so what was the biggest lesson you learned from 16 bit? The first location in Columbus? Uh, I would say in the end, everything was spot on brand experience, uh, menu development, uh, I think the biggest thing was culture in our people. Okay. We're starting this new brand, this new concept. We have, we have no leverage in the industry at mm-hmm. all. People don't know me at all in hospitality. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're trying to, you know, hire management staff and staff at this, this new brand, this new bar. Um, it was, you know, it was a lot of people who had, industry background, industry knowledge, but not the way we wanted it. So the way we run business, open books, you know, fully communicating to our staff, you never drink, you know, while you're on the clock. Um, we, we run a tight, tight chip. And, and so I think early on it, the staff wasn't to the level of our brand and culture. Um, now some of those people are still with us. They're mm-hmm. great people. Um, but we've had, we've had an opportunity now that we've learned for 16 bit is what is our training process? What is our brand standards? What is our culture? And to hire into that and hold those people accountable. They come into the system. They will make great money. They will have fun. They will flourish. Mm -hmm. We've had a chance now that we, our brand is out there and we have a process in place of training of what, what this means to you as an individual, um, that I think our caliber of talent has gone way up. Um, we go into a city and we, we get the best of the best. Um, we have people that opened up 16 bit Columbus with us and four years later, they're still with us. Mm. Um, we've had people that opened up Columbus and we've moved to other cities to manage those locations. So I think we've now had a chance to grow our talent from the inside mm. and hire specifically to our culture and our expectations. Where in the beginning it was, 
I need people who know the industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's, it's, it's cool that you, you are interesting. You bring that up. That, that was one of the questions I originally had. I never got around to it was you bring all this knowledge on branding and marketing to the, to the table, but there's other variables that, that create the big picture that you didn't have like hospitality service. Uh, so where did you go? How did you find those people to make the, the big complete picture? You know, a, a lot of it was, it, it was figuring stuff out in the beginning mm-hmm. and it was, it was doing research. Um, you know, there was, there's other restaurants groups here in town that have, that have done really great job. And, and so, you know, looking at, you know, how they've done it, yeah. keep people within those organizations. I just met Chris, I think, and he came from the Cameron Mitchell series yep. of restaurants. Yep. So uh, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, so Yoha, um, yeah. yeah, he, he was a great find for us. Yeah. And, and I, I've been really fortunate. Have you talked to Cameron yet? Yeah, he was on the show. He was episode two thirty, I believe. Okay, in that field, he's coming back tomorrow. Oh, is he? Yeah, I'm going. I okay. can't wait to say hi. To him. Well, him make sure make sure he knows that you talked to me first. Um, so, <laughs> well, he was episode two thirty. Yeah, okay, so. well, that's okay. Second time around. Um, so, people like that. So, Cameron um, has he's become a, a pretty good friend of mine, um, and. He's, he's, a, he, it's interesting how open book he is. Mm. Um, even, you know, for me who, you know, is not from the industry, but he sees what I'm doing and to be able to spend time with him and, and to talk through things with him, th- that, that to me is invaluable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why now, you know, I'd say four years later after doing this, I love conversations like mm-hmm. this. Um, because you, and that's one thing I've noticed about this, the city at the same thing. I had, uh, Joe Delos on the show yeah. and he was clueless when he got started with the food and beverage and the people that came to his aid, the Cameron Mitchells, mm-hmm. the, I can't think of the other names that you mentioned, but just, I think Cameron Mitchell was a big part of mentoring and giving him that knowledge. And why would, why would Cameron Mitchell want to do that? Right? Like why would you want to give somebody a direct competitor knowledge? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of it is, uh, I think it's quality people helping mm-hmm. quality people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, this town, you, you look at, I mean, you have Cameron, you have mm-hmm. Chris duty with Piata, mm-hmm. um, Mikey, you know, who's blown up. Yeah. With Mikey's late nice yeah. place. He, I'm uh, staying with him right now. He's my host in the city. Oh, he's he? great. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I have so many things to say. Right there. <laughs> off air. Off air. <laughs> um, but even, even like getting to know, you know, uh, Mikey, uh, Cameron, uh, Chris duty, um, you think of this town, there's a lot of restaurateurs and yeah. there's a lot of people that start it. You know, I mean, to think back, you know, Cameron, and he started as a chef. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and to see where he is now. And for, so for me, I think there is a lot of collaboration behind, you know, great people helping other great people. Mm. Um, so we're very fortunate. I mean, in this little ecosystem of Columbus, mm-hmm. of, you know, we have a lot of, you know, mid sized to large brands that, it's just a friendly town. I mean, that's yep. one of the reasons I'm here. So, so is that what happened with you? Is it the same situation with like Joe Deleuze? Like, I always say Deleuze, Deleuze. Uh, did he, did the people come and give you advice and mentorship? Were you getting people from other restaurant groups coming to fill voids? So I would say more now than early on. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm from the type, I'm the type of person where I don't like to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to get in and figure things out. Um, I think as we've grown, um, you know, I've built some of those relationships where I think it's kind of a win-win mm-hmm. where, you know, I can, I can learn from someone who's been there and done it, done that. 
But I also think it's mutual now where they can learn from us because we've approached it a different way. Mm. Um, you know, we're we're now you know developing these entertainment concepts that are a little untraditional. Mm -hmm. You know, with within the the grand scheme of things, yeah. And you know, have have taken off. So I th I think it's a uh, they can learn and I can learn type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can absolutely absolutely see why somebody like Cameron Mitchell would want to approach him like you and give you knowledge because look at what you could potentially do for him in the future if he decides to open another restaurant. And he, and he he has questions about branding, right? Like, oh, I know a guy who can really help me maybe see this from a different angle. Like, and there's a lot of like good that comes from just collaboration, sharing knowledge. It comes back around some way, somehow, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say, you know, and again, you know, Cameron specific. I I look at Cameron. I don't think he he needs anybody's help. Okay, <laughs> yeah. but it it is interesting, you know. Uh, it's it's flattering and humbling uh, to have a conversation with him and him see him get excited about what we're doing and and our approach because it's something that's that's new to him and and you know where they have the the operation side they have the the construction side they have the, they have the engine that makes mm -hmm. everything but on the conceptual side, you know, that's something that we've really figured out mm -hmm. and, you know, to have those conversations and, and have him ask questions mm. about that and, and what else are we working on? Uh, that, that for me is like the coolest, biggest win I could ever yeah. have. Um, awesome. so, you know, I mean the, the early on, I didn't ask for yeah. help. I didn't, it was, I mean. It was literally going on Indeed and looking for people <laughs> in the restaurant industry yeah. and where they have they been yeah. and scheduling meetings and being like, oh, I can't stand that person. <laughs> um, it was, it was, you know, after we announced uh, what we were doing, I mean, it was something that was long overdue in Columbus. People wanted to be part of it. Okay. Um, at the time, Liz Lesnar uh, had a, a several restaurants uh, here in Columbus. She had a lot of great people working for her with Columbus Food League. Okay. Um, you know, a couple of them came over. Uh, and I knew their pedigree and, and, and what they could do. Um, so I was fortunate in the beginning, uh, to, to find some really solid people okay. that wanted to grow with the company. So, okay. I want to bring it back to where we were before we got on this really great tangent. So I'm totally cool with it cause we got a lot of good value out of it, but you were saying what you did differently going into the second location, the third locations, and as you're growing, you focus more on culture. So the, the focus was differently, I guess. Uh, the, the thing you did differently was focus on culture. So what things were you doing specifically different uh, to, to grow your culture? You know, I think a lot of it had to do with uh, how we communicate to staff. Okay. Um, you know, what we shared with staff, uh, you know, from not just from sales goals, but marketing goals, yep. um, you know, uh, fully, again, fully communicating, you know, what a dollar to us means a dollar to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I also think, you know, starting to build and create these spaces where, uh, you know, it's not just, okay, I'm going to go work there. I know I'm going to make good money because mm -hmm. it's going to be a popular new hit yeah. place, but to sustain as long as we have. Um, and to, you know, our biggest thing was we're very detailed when it comes to our brand. You walk into any of our locations, you will see no other brand except for ours. Mm -hmm. You won't see, you know, Budweiser coaster. You won't see, you know, napkins from a vendor. You won't see bar mats, nothing. You see our brand and that's mm -hmm. it. And then we did that strategically where, most bars you walk in, you're getting bombarded oh, yeah. with just all this different content. For us, it's about our brand. I can care less. I'm not going to let someone, you know, give us marketing dollars to put their name on the menu. Mm -hmm. um, it's just not who we are. So, you know, to, to be able to really control that experience, but then I think really early on, 
the one of the the things that we talked about in like our, one of our first company meetings is we're going to deliver this experience. We're going to we're going to really control this brand, and so people understand what 16-bit is. But I don't want the individual personalities to be taken away from the people who work for us. Mm-hmm. So you know. Yeah, you're going to be branded 16-bit, you know, behind the bar, and, and everybody's going to be spraying with a 16-bit brand. But I still want them to be getting a drink from Lisa. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, you know, we were fortunate that we, you know, we've hired some really creative, fun people and who all have these individual personalities. So for me, it has to be about that. It still has to be about this one-on-one dialogue that's happening between a consumer and who they're, you know, who's servicing them. Mm-hmm. They can be doing it at a bar under our brand, but it's still it's still a one-on-one interaction. So to not control who they are as an individual, still let them flourish who mm-hmm. they are as an individual, let their personality come through, I think was one of the biggest things where, you know, you go into larger, you know, corporate places and it's, you know, it's like people are in their uniform and, mm-hmm. you know, they work for that company. No, I mean... For us, it's, you know, we want people to be individuals. We want everybody within our organization to have a voice. Um, we want everybody in our organization to understand how we make money, how we function. But, you know, we want to be realistic with who they are, you know, their individual personality, what their personal brand means as opposed to our brand as, a, mm-hmm. as an organization. All that stuff is stuff that's really important to us, and we've always kept at the forefront. Beautiful. There's one more thing I want to go into before we hit, go to the speed round. We're already at 55 minutes, by the way, and the speed round goes fast. We haven't even got to the fun stuff. <laughs> uh, one quick question is, is I noticed your growth. Uh, you're very unique brands that probably only work with, with uh, populations that can support them, right? Like an arcade. Uh, in your growth, uh, you're in Cleveland, you're in Columbus, you're in uh, Dublin, not Dublin. Yeah, Dublin, right? Yeah, we're in Dublin. Dublin yeah. Cincinnati. and uh, in Cincinnati. Yes. So one piece of advice I've gotten interviewing restaurateurs is when you grow, you want to grow as like not far laterally. You want to kind of own a community and have your presence in a community be solid. Uh, but it seems like it's hard with what you're doing because you have such unique brands that you couldn't do two arcades or two experiences in one. So like, do, are you forced to go out to like other markets? No. So here's the thing is I think we could, mm-hmm. and we've just chosen not to. Okay. Um, you know, when we opened up in Columbus, uh, we were the first barcade in Columbus. Yeah. There's now six. Um, the thing that's great is every time one would open up, people would be like, oh, you, you pissed they ripped you off. I'm like, well, no, because it wasn't really an original idea to begin yeah. with. <laughs> um, and the thing about it is I think everyone has their niche. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's the, you know, kind of one that, you know, attracts campus people. There's the ones yeah. out in the suburb. There's mm-hmm. one that are pinball specific. So each location, each uh, bit 16 or yeah, 16 bit uh, has a unique feel to it. Yeah, they do. Okay. So each, each 16 bit, uh, you know, each 16 bit is, is on brand. If you go to the one in Cincinnati, you go to the one in Cleveland, you go to the one here in Columbus, you know, you're at a 16 bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think you could do multiple 16 bits in one market. Mm-hmm. We chose not to. Okay. And here's why is as other places opened up um, for us, it was great because one, we set the bar really high with our brand experience. Yep. So, you know, we, one of our biggest things is we want to be first to market any place we're going. We want to be first to market. Yep. Um, we want to set the bar so high that it feels like someone is trying to replicate us. Um, we chose not to expand in Columbus because I wanted to own Ohio. Okay. You know, so I want to get open in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I want to get open in Cincinnati. You wanted that presence there. Yeah. Um, before you know, someone else said this is a good and, idea. And here's a simple thing from a business standpoint yeah. is we want to expand our footprint regionally. Um, you know, 
we want to grow brands to sell brands. Gotcha. I mean, it's still a business. Yep. Uh, if, if, if we can have five 16 bits, uh, you know, in the Midwest, it allows someone to come in and say, okay, look, I know exactly the revenue that you do. Well, you know what? I'm going to open two more in each city you're in because mm-hmm. you have a name, you have the brand, you have the experience. So for us, it's, a, it's, a, it's also a long-term sale thing. Gotcha. Now, that being specific, you know, pins, another distraction. Don't worry, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole here. <laughs> um, you know, but that one was the, you know, we want to go bigger. We want to do bigger corporate events. We want it to be more an experience. We want to take the two hours and turn it into four hours okay. if someone was there. Um, that one, you know. That was 2016, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and we worked on it for about two years. Um, before you know, we launched it. Uh, from a design standpoint, I've never been more proud of the people that worked on it. I'm going to have uh, to hit that up before I leave the city for sure. Oh, you haven't been there? No. Oh. I've been so busy. I've been trying to line up interviews. <laughs> uh, wait till you see it. Um, the, so super proud uh, of, of that. Now, we broke our model. Okay? So we you know, have one under construction in Nashville right now. We have one under construction in Cincinnati. We want to expand the footprint. What the hell are you doing open a one in Dublin? Yeah. Uh, you know, 15 minutes from downtown. Yeah. Um, one, I live in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my backyard. I wasn't going to let anybody else come in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, the, we've always been urban core. Every city we go to, we're urban core. Yeah. What's, what's happening in Dublin with like walkable communities and kind of creating these urban centers in the suburbs, it was, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of convincing to do. Um, and so it really was a test. It was an expensive test. Mm. But if we can if we can go urban core and then an affluent suburb in every market, um, we can show bigger scalability down the road for a sale. Now, fortunately, we're very conservative with our projections. Uh, Dublin has been killing it. Really? Killing it. I mean, boggles my mind. Uh, and they're not, it, I don't, I'm not familiar with the geographic. Is it primarily, is it like a suburb? It is. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a suburb of Columbus, okay. you know, now I think, I think what's happening there, uh, you know, Cameron opened two restaurants up there as well. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Bobby George from Cleveland who owns uh, town hall and a couple other places up there. He's bringing some concepts down. Okay. So I think the synergies happen where it's like, this is something that's completely new from a community standpoint. Mm-hmm. It is a walk-in walking, a walkable urban community in the suburbs. So it's, it's super cool. I mean, people right now are developers all over the U S are coming to look at it and see, you see what's going on with it. Now, that being said, for us to be able to do those numbers, you know, it allows us then to say, okay, yeah, we're going to go into Cincinnati urban core. Mm-hmm. Well then, you know what, maybe we'll go into Westchester down there. You know, we'll gotcha. go into a fluent suburb. So the, are you finished with your thought? I don't want to cut you short if you want to. No, I mean, it, 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 again, it, for us, it was, it was, you know, Learning from things, seeing seeing how we can expand, and uh, you know, just uh, in the end, it's it's long term sign of a brand. <laughs> so time now is uh, two thirty seven. Okay. You supposed to be someplace before we? Well, <laughs> I have a. Funny enough, I have a I have an interview at two thirty. Um, okay. But uh, so I can go as long as you need. Okay. Uh, they're 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 starting <laughs> with someone else uh, over there. Okay. So. Cool. So. Last question before we go to the speed round, okay. and this is where I, where I wanted to go. Why I originally asked about opening up in different locations. Uh, one of the and you, you've already kind of alluded to the, the challenge of spreading the culture to different locations. Uh, is has it been difficult to take uh, the culture that you had, the you know the the mojo, that essence of the first location, and is it 
is it harder to move it in like a, a, a lateral distance? Is, is it more difficult in your opinion, do you think, to like take that culture and move it all the way to Cleveland or all the way to Cincinnati? I would say uh, in the beginning, uh, yeah, it freaked me out. It scared yeah. us. Um, again, we're a communications company at the core. So uh, when we did, when we did uh, Pins Dublin, mm-hmm. uh, we specifically spent a lot of time documenting our training process, mm-hmm. uh, documenting our onboarding, mm-hmm. really figuring it out where, okay, this has to be plug and play. Mm-hmm. This has to be, you know, we're doing five more locations this year. We need to figure it out from a training team, from assets, uh, from how people are, you know, being brought into our brand, fully being educated mm-hmm. on our brand, um, and getting them up to speed so we don't miss on the culture side of it. Uh, and I think we've done a really good job. Uh, we've awesome. we've uh, we've had a really good team work on the Dublin launch, and we've kind of created a model and a system that will now be taken to Cincinnati, be taken to Nashville, be taken to Indianapolis. So. Awesome. Great. We spent a lot of time though. Cool. It was a, it was a big concern. Anything we haven't covered that you were hoping or that you were planning on mentioning that you want to get out before we go to the speed round? I want to make sure you get it out. No, I, you know I think the you know my world of distractions where, where we're sitting <laughs> you, right now. You're good, man. You're good. Where we're sitting right now is a is a. Is I gotta a, get some photos before I leave. That reminds me between the hey, people still know about they don't know about this place yet. Um, <laughs> so easy. So yeah, we're so we're sitting at uh, it's called no soliciting, and uh, this is you know attached to our offices. Yep. It's you know the nicest cafeteria conference room you'll ever be in your life. It's beautiful. <laughs> so we uh you know this was something that I've just always wanted. Um, I wanted. You know, a comfortable place that I can sit and have a quality cocktail and a vintage <laughs> leather chair and just be comfortable. So yeah. this was a test. It was, well, a, it was it, another one. For it's us. really interesting because when I came in, they said, "Oh, like we're, I'm like, where? What location is this?" I was like, "I don't remember seeing this." They're like, "Well, this is our speakeasy." I was like, "Oh, why was it on the? Oh, it's supposed to be a secret." <laughs> and like it all like just like crash yeah. on me. I was like, "Oh, that's yeah. cool." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so I mean, this. This is kind of my my newest baby, and uh, the thing that's really cool about this, and and I I am gonna suck more time now. Hey, is I'm on your time, like, and I got all day, man. So <laughs> you can go as long as you want. This <laughs> this was completely. It was this was a a selfish thing for me to fulfill a need, but then also, um, there was just a bigger philosophy around this. Uh, the I really wanted to, so we talked about like, you know, the Cam Mitchells of the world and, you know, Joe DeLoss and, you know, it's, I'm, I'm like this weird cross section where I, I have access to a lot of these old school, Mm -hmm. you know, guys and yeah, can't bring your old. Um, (laughs) and then this kind of new school, you know, and not just from this industry, uh, when you look at finance, legal, you know, business. Um, so this was, it was it wasn't built to generate revenue. It was built to connect people. And, cool. and so my whole philosophy on this was once a quarter, we wanted to, to have a place that we can have, have dinner yeah. and invite people who would normally never sit down and have dinner yeah. um, and start to, to connect people. Wow. And, you know, you know, and, 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 and so we started letting people have access to it. And then, you know, it was, it was and you can take pictures and show people. Um, but then it was, it was, it became, we have one shot to really make this really exclusive. Yeah. And so um, it is member-based now. Yeah. We opened it up about two months ago, members okay. only. Um, all the members are Cameron's a member. <laughs> it's, like the, it's all business owners. Yeah, that's um, cool. It's all people from the industry um, or influencers here in yeah. Columbus. 
uh, it's that place that they can have, that they can take and people and have, have yeah. meetings, uh, have a great drink. But the coolest thing is that philosophy of connecting people is to see it actually happening now is, is just awesome. Um, you know, the, to, so what, you said that philosophy of connecting people to see it actually happening. What is the philosophy of connecting people? It's, it's again, it's people who normally would never sit down and have a drink or never sit down and have dinner together yeah. uh, to create a place where they're kind of forced into it. And how has that served you? How's having, being able to connect people, how, what's come of that? I mean, it's, it's, it's ultimately, it's not about serving yourself. It's about serving other people through connections. You know, it, it, it is, but in the end, you know, it's still a business. It comes thing. back around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's given me access to other people here in Columbus and out of Columbus that, I mean, heck, Jeff Ruby was in here yeah. uh, three weeks ago. Um, you know, it was number one restaurant tour down in Cincinnati. Yeah, and he was, he's behind the uh, Paggio brands? Or we know? No. Sorry, no. That, that's Duty. Yeah, Chris Duty. So, okay. uh, Jeff, Jeff Ruby owns Ruby Steakhouse, that's the right, Precinct. Right, right. He just opened one here in Columbus. So it, the thing that's crazy is so he's sitting, you know, sorry, Jeff, uh, it's like old school mob guy, <laughs> like just <laughs> in his pinstripe suit. Nice. Uh, you know, talking, having a conversation with two 20 year olds who own Fusion. <laughs> oh, Zach. Yeah. He's, he's coming up. On, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hit him before I leave. Town. So it, it was like, it was, it was like worlds colliding. Yeah. Imagine being Zach in that position, having the opportunity to learn from him. And ultimately you're, you're getting mentored, you know, and then that's what's happening. Well, the in this thing that's funny about that story too, and you can ask, ask Zach about it. He'll, he'll tell it better. But we had done a, uh, so a good friend of mine, Randy Gerber, who's actually in, in financial, yeah. uh, he's just right across the street. He he knows a lot of these same people that I know. Yeah, um, we started doing these events that are industry specific that we do here and at his office. Where again, we're inviting people who normally would not yeah. have a cocktail together. So you know, to to like that night, we had a hospitality one. So. You know, we had fusion guys here, uh, you know, Thad and Jess from 101 Beer Kitchen, uh, Cameron and Chris Duty were invited and we went over to their office like mm. later on in the evening. So all that's happening that night. And so all these people from the hospitality industry, you know, are here hanging out and then we you know, go over to the Blue Jackets game and have a good time over there. So and then I get I get a text from Yoha later that night and we invited Ruby uh, that <laughs> night. And of course, he's too busy and. You know, his assistant, well, we don't know if he's going to be in town. It's like, wait a second. I see his bus sitting right over there. <laughs> um, so it was funny. So he was invited. And, you know, the, the Fusion. Ruby has a tour bus, by the way. We didn't mention that. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. You know when he's in town. Um, so it was funny, though, because the Fusion guys stopped over on the way back yeah. here to, to a uh, drink at, at Jeff Ruby Steakhouse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jeff happened to be there. And so they're like, hey, we want to take you over to this place because we're literally two blocks from mm -hmm. this restaurant. And, and so for them, it was, it was, you know, these young guys were mm -hmm. brazen enough to say, Hey, Jeff, we want to show you a place and go have a drink with you. You know, and oh, wow. good, great thing for Ruby. For you know, he, he walked over yeah. and he's like, where the, where the hell are you guys taking me? What are these speakeasies? I mean, yeah. I thought, I thought, didn't we go through prohibition? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, to, to get the text from Yoha saying, dude, the fusion guys are over here sitting with Ruby right now <laughs> and Ruby wants to smoke a cigar in here. No. Um, yeah. Find and then another place. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they come back over here, and it's it's like that's the type of stuff that for this place is so cool. That is, cool. you know, and that's, and 
that's the collaboration that's happened and uh it's uh super proud of that yeah hearing you talk just can't help but think about uh danny Myers says it all the time a b c d always be collecting connecting dots yeah and if you can do that for people in your community but if you can do that for people in your industry i mean i feel like that's like the the pinnacle of like you know being that that, that person to help bring people together collaborate create opportunity for each other right uh it's, it can be really powerful uh this has been great we're gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors and okay, we'll be right back for a speed round all right all right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurant? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you let the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like a foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is, uh, what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a, char- a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Honest to a fault. Honest to a fault. I will always speak my mind and a lot of time it gets me in trouble. Oof. But I bet it serves you more than it gets you in trouble. Uh, you know, it, I think it's one of those things that uh, people who don't know me, uh, I come across really brazen yeah. up, up front. But I think once people get to know me, they completely understand it. Okay. I, just, I have no filter. Yeah. Or as my wife says, I have an awful delivery. Yeah. <laughs> so how does being honest serve you? I'm curious. Uh, you know, the, I, I mean, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's getting to conversations or getting quicker to conversations mm-hmm. or, the, or the topic that needs to be discussed. I don't like beating around the bush on stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like having to, you know, have eight conversations to get to a yes or no answer. Yeah. So I have a, I have a way of, you know, just 
a lot of times either talking over someone or stopping the long drawn out just give me an answer gotcha. <laughs> <So>. got it <laughs> what is your biggest weakness uh you know it, this is probably gonna be a surprise for for people but uh i think i'm too loyal um i i really care a lot about our people and i and i i'm very loyal when it comes to relationships to a point that i think a lot of times uh it doesn't serve me or the other person because it's, I care too much about them, uh, them and, and their life and them as an individual yeah. that, you know, maybe they should have been cut loose a long time ago or they should have gone on to what next yeah. and they can grow as a person. Um, I'm just, I'm a little too loyal sometimes. Are you a Leo by any chance? I'm a Virgo. Oh, okay. Curious. All right. <laughs> what is one question you ask or thing you look for uh, when you're recruiting people or growing your team? I ask them what their parents did for a living. Um, and, and for me, that was one that uh, got asked me early on. And I never, I, I didn't, I didn't understand it until I really started thinking about it. Um, you know, doing what we do and in this industry, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. you know, and anybody can say they're an entrepreneur, but there's, there's, you know, really digging in and, and being passionate about something and, and fighting through it, you know? So I found that people who come from, you know, their parents were either a small business owner mm -hmm. or, you know, tried to, you know, start a construction company or this or that, they, they, they understood it from an early age that it wasn't just go to work and punch a clock. It was long hours. It was stressful. It was very rewarding. Um, but there's like all these peaks and valleys that, that people have seen growing up um, that you typically, you wouldn't get to just asking them about themselves. So for me, asking, hey, what did your parents do for a living growing up? It's funny because people go into stories mm. and they'll, they'll go into, oh, my mom, my mom worked her butt off. And, and, yeah. and, and so you can get how, how they look at their parents and what they witnessed growing up. Yeah. Um, who they are as a person a lot quicker. Yeah. So that's one of the questions I always ask. Oh, I dig that one. Thank you. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today? You know, I'd say my biggest challenge today is opportunity. Um, we have a little too much opportunity in front of us. Um, so, you know, we have, you know, Pins Mechanical Company is, it's a hot, you know, concept right now. Um, we're getting approached from developers all over the US. Mm -hmm. And I mean, literally, if we wanted to open 20 this year, we could. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been really, it's been tough having people reach out and actually getting back to everybody and, and, and responding in such a way that it's, you know, them understanding that putting us in 20 locations because they want us to revitalize a center or a part of town mm -hmm that's great for them. It's not great for our brand. Yeah. Um, so we've been very dedicated to what is good for our brand long-term, but right now uh, I feel like we're getting bombarded by developers and opportunities that we're not spending enough time and being thankful for. Mm. Um, so th that's my biggest thing right now. But at the same time, Sorry, I didn't move that. They wow, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Whoa! They won't hear that, by the way. So <laughs> don't even worry. It's just I have audio like sound effects built in, so that's the ending noise. 
So we would okay, typically don't not use it at the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's louder right now. It wouldn't be that loud. Wow. We have it turned up. <laughs> we'll edit that part out. <laughs> no, don't. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, so, are, what are they <laughs> fucked and scared about right now? What, I didn't hear shit. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I just want to say good on you. Good on you because uh, if you grow too fast, if you don't, if you don't have the, it's all about the people first, right? So if you don't have the people to go into those re- those uh, those bowling alleys or those bars then you're gonna your your brand is gonna cr- crumble around you because you don't I'm have to jump support. over the table and punch you because you said bowling alley <laughs> i'm sorry uh <laughs> no it's, here's the thing is uh so we've had a couple uh we go into markets you'll have people write oh there's a new bowling alley come to the gulch in nashville yeah we're not a fucking bowling alley like it's so funny i mean duck pin bowling is just completely different it's uh <laughs> and I'm, i am going to walk you next door now so you can see it. okay um it's when you say bowling alley you are, people automatically have a visual yeah they expect something and when we did 16-bit early on and people were like oh it's an arcade yeah they would go in and be like well, where's all the neon carpet where's yeah. the blue lights yeah. you know it's it's that's it so saying those words for me are always like a touch point because it's like <laughs> you, I owe you bowling alley. You can punch me on the shoulder. People are going to like automatically have their perception of what that is. <laughs> I so. hear you. But you, but you do under like, but if you grow too quick and you don't have the people for those opportunities, like the people support the brand, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, it's, it's good that to hold back on that. Um, Anyway. Anyway, so here, and, and I know this is speed round or slowing <laughs> down, uh, but no, that was one of the things going into this year. Yeah. We, we've been going so fast for the last two years and, you know, I mean, we have four locations opening up this year, but one of the things I said, you know, uh, going into this year is right now from a team standpoint, from a rise brands culture standpoint, I'd rather slow down and get stuff right. And even if we have to open a location mm-hmm. a month late, mm-hmm. it's going to mean more to us next year and the year mm-hmm. after. But right now we have to slow down to get things right while still moving fast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like you want to grow like a tree with those those deep roots. You don't want to grow like weeds where you can be like, you know, pulled out the next right. day. Um, so share one code of conduct or behavior. This is like a way to be a, way, a core value, uh, so something that you're teaching your team. Oof. Core value. I'm not going to go into our core values as a company. <laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if this is such a core value, but uh, I, to always, no matter who you are, no matter where you stand in a company, no matter what you think my people might think, is to always speak your mind. Um, you know, I I believe in that more than anything. And every interview, every people, every people that everybody that we've brought into the company I don't think they realize it when we say, look, we want you to have a voice, Mm. you know, I'm the owner, but I function as a janitor, Mm -hmm. you know, I function as a production designer. Um, I, we are just very hands on. If, if you have an idea, if you have, if I say, you know, Hey, go do this, but you don't understand why I'm asking you to do it. Mm -hmm. Ask, you know, have a voice. I think, I think at all levels, you know, speaking up, not, it not only creates conversation, but it's where, ideas are generated from yep. and whether it's good or bad if someone asks a question or they challenge something and they might be completely off base and not understanding why and the way they challenge it is awful for them to understand why something was asked of them or why we're doing something a certain way that knowledge is so important so for me uh, one of the things that we always tell all our people is everyone has a voice and you have to use it so. dig it Great stuff. Uh, okay, one uncommon standard of service, something that your 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 team does that wouldn't be expected someplace else. 
Ah, something our team does, it wouldn't be expected someplace else. Man, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't know if this comes across on the consumer side, but uh, we listen. Um, we, you know, I am, me and our team, every comment, mm. every review, we read everything. We listen to everything. We may not address everything, but um, we listen. And I think our staff does that up and down as well. Whether Great. if it's a if it's a you know a bartender, um, if it's a bar back, I I think we do a really good job of listening. Mm -hmm. um, where traditionally, you know, I mean, even a company our size now, I you know a lot of you know I'll respond to something you know whether it's a review or Facebook or answer a question. There's some guy asking to be a guest on a pawn show or podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. The next question, we're almost done. Uh, what's one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner, bar owner? I hate books. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a good one. Um, you know, I've, I've read a lot of books lately just because I've been forced to, yeah. um, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, as a business, we started using EOS. Yeah. Um, and so Traction was a good read for all oh, of man, our Man, Traction. Trip. Columbus people love Traction. Yeah. This is the third recommendation from yeah, the city. That, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, we can stop there. But that's, that's good. No, so here, here's, a, here's a different one that yeah. you know, people probably heard of. But I, I, it doesn't really help business-wise. But I, I thought from a cultural standpoint and the way you look at your, your people was, a, was a, just a huge thing for me was Dream Manager. What was it called? Dream Manager. Dream Manager. Yeah. So... Uh, I'll let people look up what that is, but it's just, you know, it, it, it's all about, it's all about culture. It's all about what's important to your people. And, and, you know, you as an employer, you're, you're helping manage their dreams. Yeah. And so it's a good one. So what's one online resource, a place to go where you learn or educate or leverage a tool online? Uh, this podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Take it. Uh, what's one technology you've adopted within your bars that gets you really excited uh, that's Im impacting and influencing your operation? You know, I think uh, so early on, um, we did not, I did not want to go with the, you know, the Aloha's and the mm -hmm. micro touch and, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, we went with the POS Levu, which okay. is uh, all iPad based. Um, it's essentially paperless. Okay. Uh, you know, and so for I mean, you see it all everywhere now. Yeah. But four years ago, um, to put an iPad in someone in front of someone and have them sign with their finger and mm -hmm. just add a tip, and you know, it was it, it, people were still entering tips from receipts, yeah. and, and I hated that. Even when I, even when I was a, a bartender and stuff, I hated that. Um, and it was early on, you know, people were like, "Oh no, you still get, you gotta have people sign," you know, and, and, and like, "No, stop." So we actually did a test. We we went uh, one full week. Uh, going the normal way mm -hmm. of having getting people receipts, signing in, entering tips, yada yada yada, and then giving them the experience with the iPad of you know signing with your finger, automated adding a tip, you know make it make it easy. Mm -hmm. you know? Plus, you know, gets late in the night, people are drunk. Yeah. Um, and it for me, it was one. The experience was so cool for people, yeah. but then on top of it, you know, tip outs went up like ten percent. Yeah. <laughs> So you actually bringing the tablet to the guests and having them sign right there. Yeah. So so all of our all of our stuff is uh, is all iPad based. Okay. Um, so you know from at the bar, uh, you know all our bars are metal, and so there's big magnet sticks yeah. on. Uh, 
you know, cocktail servers all have mini iPads. Yeah. Um, so yeah, literally, you know, they're getting the, their, their check. They're, Which is huge on efficiencies because you don't have people bottlenecking at the, the POS station. And yeah. it's just, it's great. Yeah. And, essentially, essentially everybody has their own. So I'm curious, you spent a lot of time talking about the, the data you're getting from the numbers, looking at the numbers. So how is Lavu and, and it's, uh, it's a, it's data. Does it have a good data or where are you getting that data? Well, so I would say, you know, we've been using Lavu for four years now yeah. and for the first two years I hated them. Okay. Um, at the time it was new. Uh, it was, it was, you know, I mean, it's a cloud-based system. Yeah. Um, you know, they're continually doing updates. Um, it, the speed of it now is great. Uh, early on, uh, just, we, we learned to dial it in mm-hmm. from, uh, the processing chips and all of our iPads, uh, to, you know, speed of Wi-Fi and our routers, um, number of devices, yada, yada, yada. In the beginning, it slowed us down. And it was very frustrating to my staff. Yeah. And the thing that was great is we stuck it out as a company. Mm-hmm. And we kind of let the technology catch up and get mm-hmm. to where it needed to be. Um, now, it's, it's, it's efficient. Um, the, the back end is, is strong. Um, I would say from a data standpoint, though, we don't pull a lot from it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we have our end of days that we do that mm-hmm. break down all the numbers we want to see. And you we do wanna... that manually yourself? Yeah. Okay. So we, we have our own, we have our own form that essentially, uh, you know, uh, back a house computer, uh, people are, you know, there's fields that they're putting in that we want to see, uh, specific numbers, um, you know, whether it be sales, discounts, um, tip outs but so they're basically entering in like six fields okay. that then based on that it's going into our formula and spitting out the stuff that we want to see and and it, it helps them with you know we, we tip pool at all our locations okay. so it does this all automated mm-hmm. for them and you don't have the back of house so you don't have to worry about the legalities of tip pooling right uh, no i mean that with what how how we do it our tip pooling is strictly bartenders. Okay. So all our cocktail servers, they're basically, they're independent banks. Uh, tip pool. <laughs> I don't know why I asked it. We're making you go down this other. Yeah. Uh, no. So, <laughs> it, so, so, so we tip pool, uh, our barbacks, we pay a percentage of sales. Okay. Uh, yada, yada, yada. All right. This is the last question, but it's a good one. You ready for it? All right. Uh, if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you, your work in your restaurants, your bars would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for the industry, what would it be? Or what would they be? Jesus Christ. Deep man. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, I'm going to, I'm going to play this, this, this rolled game myself more time. Can you repeat the question, please? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you got the news that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exceptions of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity. What would they be? So literally just wisdom. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is going to be like really stereotypical. (laughs) Um, if, if everybody else is doing it, don't do it. Uh, so, you know, challenge the norm. Uh, you know, I, you know, I'd rather have someone fail Mm -hmm. like, you know, like total yard sale fail than, you know, just kind of not take the chances. So I, I think, I think, you know, people have to continually push that way. I also think people have to put themselves in situations where they have to fight themselves, fight their way out of the corner. Um, I, I, you know, for me, 
the that's something I I believe in. I actually had a conversation with another business owner uh, yesterday about this topic, where I've sabotaged myself before because it's like you got to tear things down to get to where you want to go next. Um, I'd say the the last and the third one is genuinely care about what you do and and the people around you. Um, I think that was a, that's one that I've learned more about over the probably the last five years because I think I enjoy more now what I do, and I think that's allowed me to really you know care about the people all around me a lot more. So I love it. Just I got one this. more for you though. Yeah, go so go I have, go. Like, breaking rules here. <laughs> so so the other one that that I think is really important, and I think a lot of people don't look at things this way, but you know we we talk about it all the time in our company is we're all trying to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that be a new position here in the organization, whether that be a different state, a different city, a different career, you know. So I think the more that people can be honest with themselves about that, if someone comes to work for us or, you know, someone, you know, comes to work with me, you know, at at Rise, we're all trying to get somewhere. So, you know, whether our time is going to be six months, six years, you know, or till the end of time, as long as you can always make each other better to help you get where you're trying to go. Um, I think if people can really look at it from that standpoint of in two years from now, I want to be in California doing this. All right, let's solve for that. Yeah. I love it. You awesome. Know? And it's, I don't think people look at things that way. Troy Allen, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. So I'm going to cut you off one more time. What the hell is with the, the pineapple? <laughs> the pineapple is the international symbol for hospitality, dude. See, and it's a microphone. I got I news for you. In, in some neighborhoods, <laughs> it states that you're a swinger. Yeah, upside down pineapple. Well, you're holding it upside it's, down to your mouth. It's sideways. <laughs> <laughs> My brother pointed that out after I was like, "Shit!" So wait, wait, um, it's but, an upside down pine- pineapple. I think that's what swinger means. Yeah, oh, upside down. Just, sideways, maybe. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. Um, but <laughs> thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. Who's somebody in this industry you admire uh, and think would make a great guest mentor? Somebody I should have on my list. You know, I, you know, I already, you know, we already talked about Cameron. He's already been, he's already been on your show. Um, you've talked, you're he's talking coming about, back tomorrow. So what should I talk to him about tomorrow? You know what? Uh, I think, so I think Cameron's at a point in his career where he's accomplished so much yep. that I think he's really dedicated to now yep. to, to giving back. Sharing the knowledge. Yeah. So uh, talk to him about the food hall. The food hall. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the, their uh, Bud Dairy building here in town, um, you know, they're, you've seen this in other markets, but yeah. here, you know, he's using it as an incubator. He's okay. helping, you know, like nine other restaurateurs uh, get their businesses off the ground yeah. and uh, be part of the food hall. Beautiful. So I, I, that's something that I know for him is a little out of his comfort zone. All right. Uh, but I think it's so awesome. He's doing it for the city. Beautiful. I love it. Well, you've been so incredible, Troy. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your knowledge, to share your sto- your story. We're all better because of it. There is no question. Oh, wait, I almost forgot to ask. What's oh. the best way to connect? If we want to come join your team, if you, if we want to come work underneath your, your rise brands, uh, what's the best way to connect to follow? What you're doing? Uh, I would, I would say, you know, uh, I mean, go to our website, risebrands.com. You know, that'll get you to, to all of our avenues of communication. Uh, anybody who is interested in what we're doing uh, wants to come work for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's there. And you're looking to grow. And there's, like you said, your biggest challenge is too many opportunities. Yeah. So this is a good brand to become joining. Uh, to join if you have what it takes, there, there will be opportunities for you. So, so where are you from originally? I'm from New Hampshire. So I'm from New Hampshire. Yeah. All right. Well, 
Nashville and Austin, if you're, yeah. if you're in those markets yeah. and, and people listen to you, <laughs> we're coming. We're coming strong. Dude, we, need, we need great people. I'm going to Nashville in a couple of weeks, so I'll, I'll put the feelers out there. All right. Uh, now I can say it. There is no question, Troy. You are unstoppable, man. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable. I hope you guys found value in today's conversation. And that uh, that noise, that uh, power failure that we just heard is what the noise was that scared the shit out of uh, Troy Allen. So it actually played in the... Uh, man, I'm such a jabroni. It played in the middle of the recording. Uh, it's hard to explain. But basically, yeah, that we're wearing headphones. So imagine wearing headphones and having that noise get blasted into your headphones. Uh, while you're talking, not expecting it. And yeah, that, that's what happened. Anyway, <laughs> great conversation today. Uh, some great advice on branding and uh, getting clarity on what your brand essence is and uh, just knowing where your customers want to be uh, and starting from there, working backwards and finding ways to align what you want to do with what your customers want. Great stuff there. Also, I love the idea of... Uh, educating educating your people on the business so you're not just telling them what to do but they understand there's a there's a rhyme and a reason for everything we do in our business and when they understand that they're going to show up much more likely to do the job right when they know there's a reason to do it a certain way uh plus they can make decisions uh that are aligned with what you're trying to do when you empower them to make these decisions it only serves your business better and i also love the idea i mean there's a lot of there was a lot of emphasis on brand and uh, imaging and all this stuff. And uh, they're very intentional about their brand. But even with all that, I love that they do recognize the individual brand. And you need to find people that are aligned with your brand and then let them be themselves. Let that individual brand, like he says, flourish. I think that's great advice. Uh, tons of good stuff in today's episode. Just really interesting advice, too, if you ever want to start a barcade, some of the, the cool things to be focusing on there. Some of the numbers are pulling in. I thought it was really interesting. All right, guys, like always, please do reach out to me. Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com is my email. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Eric catch and then on Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Tell me who you want to hear from. Tell me what topics you want covered. I'm going to be uh, actually, I'm in Dayton, Ohio, as I'm recording this right now. And, uh, I'm going to be, hitting up Cincinnati. So over the next week, if you, if you listen to this, it goes live on Monday. Let me know if you're in Cincinnati the following week, I'm heading out to Nashville. Let me know if you're in the Nashville area. If you have any leads, uh, you know, put them on my radar and maybe even if, if they're right, uh, I'll let you know. And maybe you can even help me make a connection. So, uh, anyway, awesome stuff today. Uh, great conversation. Uh, that's one way you can support the show by helping me connect, but also uh, the best way that you can support the show is simply by sharing it. If you're finding a value in these conversations, if you're learning from these mentors, share the advice from these mentors with other people. The mission of this podcast is to create positive change by empowering professionals in this industry with the stories and advice of those proven great. But if we're really going to make an impact on this industry, uh, we need to make sure everybody is getting this influence. Everybody's learning from these people. Uh, if we really want to make a change throughout the industry. So please share this sucker. And uh, I think that's all for today. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. I love you all until next time. Peace out.